Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders, past and present, as well as recognize that the area where FBI radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. Hey, I'm Danny Stewart and you're listening to All The Best. When I was 15, I got a job at a juice bar. Not Boost or Top Juice or any of those chain ones. This was just a one-off juice bar owned by some guy. Regulations were minimal and things were pretty dodgy. I was paid $12 an hour cash in hand. I'd only been making 10 babysitting, so in my mind, this was a great rate. But of course, in retrospect, it wasn't. The really dodgy thing, though, is that everyone was paid $12 an hour, regardless of age. And there were adults working there, too. Eventually, I got a job at Maya and was able to quit the dodgy juice bar. But I often think about how there are so many places just like it, taking advantage of people who don't have the right to work somewhere that actually pays a decent wage. Our show this week is a rerun from 2018, and it's all about how jobs can be a bit rough. Later in the episode, a story about dealing with entitled customers. But first, Sarah shares her experience trying to land a job as a recent immigrant. So I start? Yes, go. So my first uh, dirty job was in a store in the city. And I found it because I was, I was in Australia for uh, two days and I met a Dutch girl who was working in a dodgy place and she was looking for another job and she told me, oh, I can advise you to the store if you want. But I warn you because they pay very badly. It's like $13 an hour in cash. And they lied to her because they said it would be 18 and then she was paid 13 and she didn't dare to say, oh, you owe me 18. So I went there. I made a trial for two hours and they never paid my trial. And then they, they don't really call me back, but they say, yeah, it's 13 because we don't have a lot of customers. So that was my first experience in Australia with Job. That's my friend, Sarah. Before I met Sarah, I had no idea there was such a seedy online underbelly of cash-in-hand jobs with terrible pay in Melbourne. She's here from Belgium on a working holiday visa, and she's racked up quite a lot of good stories during her first month of looking for a part-time job. Lucky she's got a good sense of humour. We met up in a cafe, which actually turned out to be quite a good idea just between you and me, but more on that later. We met up so she could show me how to spot a terrible job opportunity on the web. All right, let's look online. So, Melbourne. Can I write it? Yes. All right, so this is where, this is how, exactly how you were searching yeah, when exactly you found like this that. wonderful job. So you, yeah, but, yeah, like, when it's like that, without any magiscule, you can see, unless there is magiscule, more dodgy it is. What do you mean magiscule? So like, at, at the beginning of the world, big letters. Capital no, letters. Capital letters. 
If there is no capital letter, it's dodgy. Just remember. <laughs> oh, this isn't real, but that that's dodgy for sure. Part-time online job. So it's uh, also other <laughs> other common rules. If there is capital letter at every word, it's also dodgy. <laughs> so it must have a balance of capital letters. I should say at this point that, to be fair. There are some good jobs with decent pay to be found online as well. But it seems it's kind of hard to tell which is which. They can be very alluring. For the kitchen hand job, but you can also find for the, the marketing sales job. That, that, that's the best because they, they sell you dream and they just help. But Sarah's marketing dream was very short-lived indeed. The next uh, trial to have a job was uh, the jo- collective job interview for a marketing sales door-to-door job. But I never really say that it's door-to-door, actually. You apply online, you send uh, your CV. I don't think they really read your CV. And then they call you and ask you some question like, why w- would we hire you? And you say what they want to hear, like, I love customer and I have a lot of experience in services, even if it's not true. And then you have a, a job interview with uh, six people. And there is this guy who speaks like Steve Jobs. <laughs> and he's really well done because you really believe in it. But what the motivational speeches often hide are the downsides to the job. Like the fact that they don't pay for time travelled between suburbs when you're door knocking and actually charge a higher fee for that iPad you have to lug everywhere. And with many of these jobs, you don't actually earn unless you make sales. Yeah, they explain you that you are paid on commission and more you sell your uh, crap <laughs> or you, <laughs> you have money. Uh, but I, I wasn't, they didn't call me back because I think I wasn't serious enough. While some street marketing jobs only pay commission, there is the chance of moving up the ranks and making good money if you work hard at the start. But working long hours without much pay isn't feasible for everyone. If you don't have much experience or many connections, like a lot of young people, it seems there are plenty of employers, especially in the hospitality industry, who feel they can take advantage by offering unpaid trials and paying way below minimum wage. Uh, so come back to Gumtree, of course, after all these nice experiences. So I applied, and I think I was the first one, so I get the job. And he said, okay, first we are going to have a trial for three hours. And I had to clean all the cafe, and it wasn't been cleaned for, I think, like a few years. And so I did it the best I can, like, because I wanted to be hired. And then he never told, he said, yeah, come back. It was like Friday and he said, yeah, come back on Monday. We will talk about the wage. Like, it's a bad start. The manager offered Sarah $33 per three-hour shift. Yep, $11 an hour. And said it was her who should in fact be paying him as he could teach her new skills like how to cook and make coffee. I was, I feel like, oh, okay, that, that's dodgy. But I don't have anything else to do, so I can have a try to see if it's worth it. So basically I think, okay, if there is no customer, because there is never one person in this dodgy coffee, maybe you will have the time to teach me something. So the third day I came back and he was alone in his coffee and said, okay, we are waiting for a customer and don't teach me anything. So I said, oh, sorry, I waste my time. Uh, I will keep this job. And he was like, okay. 
uh, wash your glasses. And I said, no, you didn't pay my trial. You will never pay me. I don't wash my glasses. And I said, goodbye. Good luck to find another pivot. Well, poor guy. <sighs> so we've heard about some dodgy employers, but sometimes employees can be a bit on the nose too. I mean, who hasn't stretched the truth on their CV when it comes to experience in a certain field? To any potential employers, I would never do that, by the way. Back in the cafe with Sarah, I thought I'd get an expert opinion on this from someone in the hospitality industry. Can I ask you a question? So, what would you say if somebody came in for a trial as a barista and they'd never made a coffee before, but they were pretending that they... We would know within the first two minutes. We would actually know within the first... Yeah, within the first couple of minutes. Yeah, you'd think it would be pretty obvious. So who would do that, right? Third experience. It's at a chain store in the city, and I asked the general manager to have another trial. And he asked me, oh, do you have skill in coffee making? No, of course I don't. I, I've never done the coffee in my life. And I said, yeah, I, I did in Belgium, but I lost my hand a little bit. But I think in a few hours I can be operational. And he said, OK, let's have a try. Uh, you have a trial like, tomorrow with some people. So I went. And <laughs> I freaked out. So it was really the first coffee in my life. The day before, I watched a YouTube video to how to use a, a coffee machine. And I pretend to to be really good at what I was doing. So the girl said, okay, make me a coffee. And it was a little bit embarrassing because I wasn't very sure with the machine and the button and stuff like that. And I did really whatever with the milk. I tried to have a little shape, but it was nothing. (laughs) One of the waitresses tried Sarah's coffee and didn't seem too impressed. But Sarah must be a pretty good actor because the girl who was running the trial actually said she could tell she knew what she was doing with the machine but that she was just too slow. <laughs> but at least I tried. So uh, I'm not a barista. I thought it was just push on buttons, but it's not. Well, it is, actually. Sarah then went on to make a very powerful enemy by insulting her local barista. I asked the barista, uh, do, you need, uh, do you need stuff in the coffee? And he said, oh, are you a barista? I said, no, but I can... It just push on button and this guy was so offended because it's like a kind of hipster with a long beard and <laughs> the big glasses and he's been doing that for years and coffee is very like holy and I just say oh no it's just push on button so he was I think quite offended and he said no uh, if we are really desperate we need a person with three years of experience otherwise it's five years experience and I said oh, okay I will never go back so that was my experience with coffee making. But at least I try. I'm happy to, to have done that. No, I know that it's more difficult than I thought. But little did we know, Sarah was about to get a bit more experience. Is that your friend? Yeah. Has she made a coffee before? During this trial, when she pretended that she'd yeah. made a coffee. All right. Well, we'll bring her over. We'll see if she can do it. I'll just ask right. her first, okay? Yeah, she, I reckon she'll come over. I'll ask her. Yeah, 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 go. Yeah, go ask her. Yeah. So, wow, that's, did she get the job? 
No, she didn't. They said, they said, this is my friend. This Hi. Is. Hi, how are you? So, yes, you hear about my so, happy experience. So, when you, so, when you went for your trial, did they ask you, do you know how to do a magic, a doppio, a macchiato, a short mac, a mocha? Do you I know how to do those? It's just to push on different buttons. Ah, but this hasn't got any buttons. <laughs> yeah, but See? that's, a, that's yeah, a, this a, is a different machine. Another machine, yeah, because there is no button. It's the first yeah. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get you to do the milk. That's the most coffee. difficult part to throw them in. Well, at the moment, the most you got the yeah, you got the difficult part, all right? Okay. <laughs> all right. So, see this? Yeah. Okay, that's off. That's on. Okay. All right, off you go. Mm, like that. I don't know where, when to stop. Okay, stop. So what you want to do, you want to hold the jug. Ah, okay. Because that way you know how hot it is. So there you go. The friendly guy even said she could come back and he'd teach her the basics. I think he admired her audacity. And although she didn't get a job there, she was successful in finding one eventually. Finally, I got a job. That's a good uh, point of this podcast. <laughs> and um, great fun in, in perspective. <laughs> a lot of story to tell after. <laughs> so Sarah joins the thousands of workers, past and present in Melbourne, with stories to tell about dodgy employment. And while she ended up finding a decent job, there are still so many who are not being paid fairly. Let's hope the new laws proposed to target these issues see a fairer future for everyone involved. In the meantime, we can be grateful that Sarah didn't get a job as a barista and won't be inflicting her coffees on anyone anytime soon. That story was produced by Angela Moran, with help from supervising producers Nina Enova and Beck Fari. Would you like to learn teamwork skills, how to deal with conflict and be calm under pressure? Hospitality has everything you need in a fun and fast-paced environment. Working in hospitality, it's all about the people you meet. My fellow waiters on the restaurant floor, the chefs dishing up in the kitchen, and the patrons. You get to know a lot about your regulars. You learn their names and their orders, but sometimes you also unwillingly learn their secrets. When I used to wait tables, I remember feeling like I was on a soap opera, watching people's lives play out one meal at a time. And I saw a lot of things, but one memory stands out. A peculiar businessman would come in for lunch, on weekdays for drinks with a young lady, on the weekends with his wife and kids. All the staff knew what was going on, and he knew we knew what was going on. But we kept silent because that was our job. What was going through this guy's head? Why couldn't he eat somewhere else with his wife and kids? Was our food really that good? I don't know. Today, we're delving into the life of a hospitality worker. 
Erin McConkie is a waitress whose artistic talents were inspired by her customers. By day, she waits tables, and by night, she's a writer and comic artist. As you'll hear, working in the hospitality industry is a lot more than just serving smashed avo on toast. Customers are justifiably picky when it comes to dining out, and not every experience will match their expectations. But sometimes you get those customers who are, well, plain rude. You know, the customer who makes unreasonable requests, or who click their fingers to get your attention, or the customer who 10 minutes after ordering asks what's taking so long. They only ordered a steak well done. It can be the little things that build up and slowly chip away at you. The tipping point for Erin came after a long day of serving, but instead of letting the customers know how she was feeling, she found a better way to express her frustrations. She picked up a pen and began drawing. I remember exactly when I started doing it. It was when I was working at Archie's all day on Gertrude Street and I just remember walking past these two customers and one of them said, I'm already onto my second coffee today. And her friend was like, oh, you don't want to be bouncing off the walls. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, the amount of times I hear that in a day, is just phenomenal. So I was just thinking about all the things that you do here every day and how it can be really frustrating or customers might make the same joke over and over again or, you might get ignored in the same sort of way. And yeah, it does take its toll after a while, even though it's just little tiny things during the day, you sort of, you can either get really frustrated or you can just ignore it. And so I just started drawing them just to sort of make them a bit more tangible and just to sort of be able to um, laugh at it instead of get annoyed by what customers were doing or saying all the time. What started out as a way for Erin to vent about work soon turned into something far bigger. Erin created a Facebook page which has grown into a community of thousands. The page, That's So Hospo, is filled with hand-drawn stick figure comics that give some good insights into the life of a hospitality worker. Do you have like a favourite a favorite piece of artwork that you've done or, or something that you think is your most telling piece? The one that I did most recently, um, the one about when you're asleep and you're finished for the day and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you suddenly just have that jolt where you just wake up and you feel like you're falling. With There's just this feeling of dread because you've forgotten to put through someone's coffee at like 9 o'clock that morning and you just suddenly realise and you wake up and Damn it, I have to go back to sleep. While social media can be a platform for greater connection, it's also created a space whereby the hospitality industry is under greater scrutiny. With social media watching and rating our every move through review sites that include Facebook, Google, and Zomato, it's understandable that establishments are having to think twice about their interactions with customers. If you're a hospitality worker and you make a wrong move, you might just expect to see a scathing review pop up later that day. People have very, very high expectations now and, you know, you get people writing 
reviews like, you know, I liked the egg flavor of the omelet or the cafe was too busy or the waitresses set wasps on us. It's just ridiculous. Wait, a customer actually left a review saying that you had set wasps on them? Yeah, that was that was written about me and my friend um, when we worked at this cafe. There were all these girls sitting out the front and it was wasp season. And there was this one customer who called me the wasp whisperer because I used to get plastic containers and like run outside and just catch as many wasps as I could in takeaway containers and then just hide them under the sink. So it's like this apartment block of wasp containers. <laughs> it's got like a, a wasp zoo or something. Yeah, yeah. Once the dishy didn't know and he like went to open the containers, I'm like, no, stop, Toby. Just like wasps everywhere. But yeah, so out the front there were all these girls and there were just wasps everywhere and they were going for the pancetta and all the meat because they don't actually like honey, they just like the meat and the salt. And these girls were all screaming, like, we need a meat inside and like, we can't find a table for you. They're like, oh, this is unbelievable. And then they just write this review, like, just absolutely, yeah, just saying really horrible things about me and my friend because they were convinced that we were trying to get them killed by these wasps. Expectations play a key role in any customer experience. Customers can expect their steak to be medium rare, their coffees to be hot, but not too hot, and they expect to be served with a smile. But what happens when you provide an exemplary service experience and the food is impeccable and served in a timely fashion? You've done everything to be at the table's beck and call and to provide them with everything and more. But then a review comes through that evening. One star. The restaurant was too busy. The age-old motto that the customer is always right does not always hold true. Sometimes everything is not enough. Exactly. Or I couldn't find a car park out the front. Or it was too windy. It's like these are things that this venue can't help. Like you don't have to write reviews and be... Tomato famous, no? Over the years, I've come to learn that not all customers are the same. I found it can be helpful to think about the customer in terms of different coffee orders. You've got your flat white one sugar types. They're in and out before you know, and they're not looking to make any new friends. Then you've got your decaf soy lattes. They know what they like and sometimes require a little extra attention to keep them happy. And then you've got your strong almond milk three-quarter cappuccinos, extra hot with caramel drizzle. There is no reading these guys. I do remember I had a really horrible customer who was just being very, very rude and swearing at me because he wanted waffles with maple syrup and we didn't have any maple syrup. We had like an orange marmalade maple syrup that was made um, on site. Which is no surprise coming out of the alternative youthful suburb of Northcote. And, um, yeah, so we just had to go through this whole process of trying to explain this waffle situation and he just lost it. He absolutely snapped. And um, I had to go out the back and just sort of, like, calm down because I was just sort of, you know, blown away by how rude he was. And when I came back, he was standing at the door and he came up to me and he said, those waffles were terrible. I was like, okay. And he said, by the way, when does the kitchen close? And I said, it closes at four o'clock. And he said, okay. 
and then he left and came back just before four o'clock and he ordered the waffles again and ate all of them and left and I couldn't believe it. And then on my last shift at that venue, it was very busy, it was Sunday and this guy walks in, he's sort of looking around, um, picks up a menu, sort of wandering around aimlessly. I say, hey, how's it going? It just looks really familiar. And he said, yeah, hey, I came into this place a while ago and you had these waffles. And I was like, oh my God, it's you. <laughs> the waffle man. The waffle man. He's like, do you still have those waffles? I'm like, no, sorry, we've just changed the menu since then. Sorry. And he's like, damn it. And then walked off. I don't know. If people, people can just have a temper if they don't get what they want and then calm down and realize that it's not so bad after all. And then come back two years later and try and order the same thing. After over 10 years of working in hospitality, Erin is now more empathetic towards customers. Accepting that you won't always see eye to eye with other people is part of the job and that customer being rude or impatient might just be having a bad day. Erin acknowledges that even when she sees a customer doing something frustrating, she believes... They're not stupid. The customer's not an idiot. Sometimes they can be a bit obnoxious and not very nice, but it doesn't mean that they're stupid. With all the negative things said about customers today, you might wonder why anyone would ever want to work in hospitality. The truth is, it can be a blast. You spend your days talking to interesting people, hanging out with the other employees, who might even become your best friends, and you learn a lot of invaluable skills. It's been amazing working in hospitality just because it's helped me speak to people properly or just um, be able to have social interactions with a wide range of different people. And I've made pretty much all of my friends I've met through working in hospitality. It's just, it's a really good industry. And I just think everyone should work in hospitality once in their life because then I think everyone would be a lot nicer to each other or a lot more understanding. That story was by Lee Robinson. The supervising producer was Sarah Mashman. That was Work in Progress, an episode we first aired in 2018, when Samantha Groth hosted the show and Alison Chan was the executive producer. You've been listening to All the Best on FBI 94.5. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.